0: The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions.
1: Listen up. I I don't know if I'm on social media too much, but I feel like I see everything. There's nothing that gets past Mm -hmm. me. And I'll I'll go through sometimes, and Facebook is just like, we got nothing new to show you, so here's uh, Tuesday's uh, uh, birthday recap from from somebody. And just like, uh, okay, that means uh, time to get off social media. Don't need the birthday recap. <laughs>
0: I've, I've reached the end of the internet. Have you gotten
1: that before on Facebook? Uh, on what? Like you go through and you'll scroll through Facebook. It usually happens when I'm on my iPad because mm-hmm. Facebook mobile on my iPad is a little bit different. But if if you scroll down, if you're doing it long enough, it will get to the bottom and it'll say you have reached the end of, of your Facebook statuses for today. Oh really? Yeah, it'll 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 just end, and uh, and at that point you're you just you feel really bad about yourself. You're like, I really <laughs> spent all that time just looking at what other people were doing, a hundred percent of the time. Usually not reacting to it, just just kind of you know using that uh that stalking uh verb that we like to use sometimes, <laughs> even though it's not. It's it's just it's curiosity, I suppose. It's keeping in touch, but we don't yeah yeah let's keep it in touch without doing interpersonal communication i love it i don't actually have to talk to people oh that's why that's part of that's part of the best thing about doing a podcast is you can talk to people without actually having to communicate with them Ah, yeah they're preaching the choir here (laughs) i mean besides this besides this 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 is actual communication but but this is okay because we're going to be talking about stuff that i want to be talking about.
0: Welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam Catalog. I'm your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, my guests and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. I'm the host, of course, as you know, Brandon, and kicking off Vitology, I have returning Randy Sobel. Hello, Randy.
1: Hi, it's good to be back. Um, I'm always kicking these things off because uh, I basically begged and pleaded for it, and like a petulant child, I got my way. (laughs)
0: That's right. And you don't have any incriminating tapes of me either, so let's just uh ignore that and I have uh, we'll some outtakes
1: on. from the episode that you did which are which is bad enough there's three hours of that episode that's bad enough and that's <laughs> to the general public so there's something yeah you know there's no need to dwell on that
0: so anyway we have the uh <laughs> first song from this uh album last exit and uh let's see they first played it in new orleans uh back in november of 93 this is when ed
1: was getting arrested oh really yeah that was uh i believe the night or the week uh the i i can't remember if they did two nights back to back in new orleans one of those shows was the first time that they uh they premiered uh debuted crazy mary uh, with mm-hmm. with Victoria Williams and Brendan O'Brien, I believe, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. But that's the weekend where he got arrested in a bar fight with uh, Jack McDowell, former oh. uh, pitcher. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of and that's something I, I think we've talked about covering possibly for for another podcast. Uh, that you may or may not know that I am affiliated with, uh, but we were thinking about doing that because of you know last exit's debut and because of a, a lot of the cool little stories that that happened around it. But we, you know, that's Ed's Ed's arrest right there in New Orleans of all places.
0: Uh, yeah, that was yeah that was the first of the t- of the uh, of the two nights of the of that tour.
1: Yeah, I don't have it up right now, so
0: that's okay. I'll forgive you this time i'll edit that part out where you where you admit your failings
1: <laughs> it's all right I, I came on a show with no notes like last week ah, that's all right it happens yeah it's okay i almost didn't do notes for today that's you know i'm getting lazy in my older podcast age that's all right it's all up in as the I, noggin as right? i go on a year doing it yeah I pretty much by now yeah yeah i can remember everything
0: So uh, this is primarily a Dave A. and Stone Gossard written uh, ditty. Uh, I guess one of the sort of signatures maybe from that Dave A. brought into it is the odd time signature. The verses are in 5-4, and that's sort of the first uh, widely released song in an odd time signature from Pearl Jam's catalog. Angel is written in an odd time signature, kind of shifts back and forth between a couple different time signatures can't nail down. I'm trying to count along with it. And it's like, what the hell time signature is that? And then ends off in, uh, in six, eight, I Mm -hmm. believe. But, uh, you have Lex last exit in five, four in the verses changes back to four, four in the choruses, uh, sort of the mirror image of Satan's bed, which is in four, four for the verses and then five, four for the choruses, but that's by just stone. So who knows? anyway um the song starts off with a sort of little tuning up thing sort of like go to introduce you into the uh the album which is a kind of cool little who here we go oh we're getting started oh everybody pick up your instruments okay yep no okay we're all getting ready
1: I've sort of forgot about that thing you know it's 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 hard after a while um you know you sort of forget about uh recordings of songs when you're digging so deep into bootlegs from all different you know eras and years and and uh when listening to the recorded version back i'm like oh yeah that yeah that thing happened you, you forget about you know little things like uh the, the intro from rival which is like the dog snarl um mm-hmm. you know just the way that things are produced uh that you can't get on a live track uh it's it's totally different and it's and, and it's cool it's it's kind of a i don't know if it's a good if, if it's a throwback to what they did with go or if it's just kind of like uh, I don't know. Sort of like an orchestra where they're trying to tune, and and you hear, you know, before an orchestra plays, they're all trying to get into E or or something like that. I, I don't know if it's their way of doing something like that, but uh, it's it's interesting.
0: Yeah, and then the, like the conductor taps like it's like okay, everybody ready? Yeah. It kind of uh, it kind of reminded me of the uh of the free jazz sort of stuff that they were kind of messing around with later in the uh, 2003 tour A little bit, yeah, and you know, I think the uh, the spinal tap jazz odyssey sort of oh, yeah, let's 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 do this. Nigel quit, so now we can we can bust out with our uh, experimental jazz band. <laughs> nice set, isn't That's a cozy 10 minutes. What are we gonna do? We got nothing to play here. we got nothing. I'll tell you what, we're gonna have to do. Well, jazz odyssey. We're not going about to do a free form jazz uh, exploration in front of a festival crowd.
1: You are witnesses at the new birth of Spinal Tap Mark II. I hope you enjoy our new direction. It's been so long since I've seen Spinal Tap. I know I have the DVD somewhere.
0: I know. Yeah, I'm. I'm waiting for the day that they bring that the uh, the uh, the Criterion edition back. From the vault or back in print or whatever. Got some good uh, outtakes and weird stuff Hopefully. on it. But uh, let's see. Uh, the song itself, the lyrics weren't really in the liner notes for it. It just had the choruses with some other poetry in there. And then like along the edge of the booklet or the uh, the picture of it, uh, the frame of it from if you have the vinyl where you have the four up sort of thing, which was a ripoff, I believe they could have just made the whole thing, just make the whole book, just make it thick, and each page is all huge. And it's like, oh, man. But no, you got four pictures on one page.
1: Yeah, not a fan of that.
0: But uh you have the first half of the second verse kind of written, handwritten along the edge. You got to kind of like squint and move it around to see.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's an artsy way of doing it. I like the old... Uh, you know, back of the record way, uh, that you know the old old artists that used to put out you know two to three minute songs, uh, would just throw throw in all of the lyrics on on uh mm-hmm. on the back side of the record. I like that way of doing it, where you don't you know saves time, saves space, saves uh, uh saves trees, I suppose. Yeah,
0: well, I guess it's uh you gotta wait till yield until they start putting all the lyrics in stuff is like
1: you know right but they're kind of they've always been kind of mysterious like that but uh you know they don't necessarily you know with the whole thing of you know them not using music videos for people to interpret their their lyrics to interpret their meetings um you know they they want people to kind of you know with the song like state 11 trust that people have you know before the internet came around people were trying to dissect out oh, what is this what is this lyric what is this you know you can't really tell what he's saying here you know layer layer down as priest does like you know <laughs> is is that you know what what is this um so i think they're trying to in a way, motivate you to think outside the box, to think for yourself and to make almost th- to make the song uh, yours instead of just it being theirs and and recorded by them uh, they're they're trying to give you a chance to figure it out. I think this this song especially um has a lot of a lot of if you don't dig into it, mm-hmm. then, I think it could be misinterpreted because I think you you look at all song meaning websites and, and how people dissect what the song could be about. And um, I I, I dug into it when I realized I was, I was going to be doing this episode and I'm just like, I I just don't agree with what anybody's saying here. And um, it's mostly, you know what most people are kind of general uh, idea of the song would be, you know, about suicide because Mm -hmm. you're thinking last exit you know this is my last exit let my spirit burn (laughs) um I, i just from the other lyrics i don't i don't see any of that i don't know how you feel about it
0: yeah i i never really got that interpretation from it just you know in my lifetime of listening to it either and it wasn't until you know trying to you know, the deuce of research for that I heard people saying, it's like, Oh, suicide, suicide. It's like, wait, what? Huh? I don't get that at
1: all. It's a very generic. Yeah. It's just a very generic, uh, you know, like easy, (laughs) easy assumption, easy solution for, for this song. It just, uh, you, you gotta look past, uh, the actual, Definitions of, of the words and and see what's what's through them and and kind of see how they're feeling and it's really overall the song is sort of it's inviting you into vitality and what vitality is and what the band was at the time and what they were going through as, as a group um, trying to deal with fame trying to deal with um, uh, you know corporate corporate America and how corporate rock portrayed them and what they wanted to see from them sort of being the backlash of what they wanted to do, for, you know, from everything from uh, the Ticketmaster uh, debacle to, you know, just, uh, you know, them being on Epic and, and uh, not necessarily having the same standards that the record company did for wanting to release an album. I, I think that this was this album was their struggle with that. And in a way, this album not only presents that struggle, I think it also uh, is trying to tell people that, you know, it's not all, you know, it's not all roses and uh, being a rock star and being a superstar in this industry is not the most appealing thing in the world. Uh, You know, and, and in a way, it almost feels like they're trying to sabotage their own record by putting all this out there. Mm -hmm. Do do, do you see where I'm coming from with that? Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, and, and, you know, Vitalogy was huge and it debuted number one on the billboard charts. It made a ton of money. It went, I don't know, triple platinum, whatever it made. I don't, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff, but, (laughs) um, and and nor should anybody. It's just money. Um, but It has this vibe of just the band basically, and and starting with Last Exit, saying, if you don't like us, we don't want you to be a part of this. We don't need the rock and roll community. We don't need MTV. We don't need radio. We don't need any of this to survive. We don't need the media or Rolling Stone we don't need any of this. We can do this on our own. And for some reason, I think that the idea maybe from the back of their heads was to try to say, let's get some people off our backs with this. And Vitalogy did the exact opposite. It got, they were bigger than ever after Vitalogy came out. The '95 tour was a massive success. Uh, you know the the ball album that came out with Neil Young, huge success. And they were on top of the music world. After Kurt Cobain died, who else was there to go to? Um Allison Chains was not as in the same realm. Soundgarden was not in the same realm with Smashing Pumpkins. I would say were rivaling that, but again the scene was really developed in Seattle. That's where everybody was gravitating towards. So I, I think that everybody was sort of dependent on Pearl Jam to sort of save, you know, this was the tail end of grunge, sort of save this music that we really have loved for the last five years, be the savior of this. And and I I, I think last exit, especially is them saying it's going to die at some point. just be ready when it happens,
0: yeah, especially at this sort of period in time too. I mean, with the uh, with the death of Kurt Cobain as well sort of a hard signifier of okay, rock is over as the popular form of music at this time, at least in the United states it's it's all onto hip hop and r and b and pop, pop sort of electronically made music, you know, after that, it's, it's sort of the, the last dying gasp.
1: Yeah. And, and not only that, but all of the other bands that followed, uh, you know, Seattle scene bands and, you know, man, I, I would add smashing pumpkins as more of an organic band. I would add stone temple pilots as more of an organic band, but the bands that followed those bands, like a perfect example of just an artificial band, that had you know were in it just to be rock stars, were in it just for the money, uh, didn't care about you know the wanted music videos playing on MTV that wanted their songs to be on the radio. Uh, Bush is the perfect example of that, and mm-hmm. Gavin Rosdell is like the antithesis of what Eddie Vedder was. You know, you say jump, he'll say how high. He you know get him on the red carpet, get him out there, and. What happened to Gavin Rosdale and Bush? They made 16 Stone, which was a major success. But then their follow-up album was very much a disappointment. And after that, the Razorblade suitcase and some other things, Chemicals Between Us, uh, that sort of era, they they weren't just trying to make music for the sake of making music. They were trying to stay relevant and successful. And that's why they switched to sort of the electronica vibe, what Nine Inch Nails was doing, which Nine Inch Nails was being successful at it. Uh, Bush was not; it, it, it was failing on on all all accounts with that. And I think that they had released something in the latter years, at like two thousand two or something like that. That, uh, and I'm not a huge Bush fan for the very reasons that I'm explaining right now. Um, but I think that. They did have some a little bit more success towards the end, but uh, again, uh, it most of this came artificially. They were very much, you know, he was a good looking rock star, he was, a, uh, you know, an attraction to the female demographic, but he was also in with the male demographic because you know they saw him as, you know, uh, a a ladies man and they saw him as you know a rock star that that they could look up to um but again he was there to become a rock star and nothing else it just it felt like a different you know eddie no no question eddie wanted to be a rock star but eddie didn't want the corporate bullshit that was attached to being a rock star he had his standards he had his morals and he was going to stick with it
0: so you see so you didn't uh, get the the new Bush album that came out uh earlier this year a couple months ago? The Bush album that came out earlier oh, this yeah. year. Or see them no, on I
1: tour with live? Uh I saw live <laughs> twice last year. Oh, I would love they're... to see live again. I like Live.
0: <laughs> I think they're on tour right now. They have a, a co-headlining uh with with Bush still? Oh yeah.
1: Oh, I, I knew that was over the summer. I uh, I saw it, and you know we we sort of say every time a concert comes up, like, well, should we should we do it? Because it's a concert, and concerts are a lot of fun, even for stuff like I don't know, Hootie and the Blowfish, another you know artificially concocted band of the of the '90s that sort of developed after after you know trying to capitalize off of that scene. Um, but like you know fuck it do we want to see Hootie and the Blowfish no we didn't end up going to see Hootie and the Blowfish but uh, you know it was it was considered and, and, because it's
0: and who's this other person you talk about in the uh, in the Wii
1: my significant <laughs> other okay I tried to trick you, and you I'm know. not saying it I'm not saying it
0: that's okay you'll have. trip up one of these days
1: I don't <laughs> If you if you listen if you listen back, i, I gave it to you <laughs> twice, very, very softly, but it's there. It happened.
0: Going back to uh what were your what you were saying about the uh sort of theme of the album, uh I, I believe that you know it's called Vitology and and yeah, you're right. It's it's sort of
1: I believe it's called Vitology too, yeah. no yeah.
0: oh, you <laughs> sin of a bitch. Uh,
1: originally it was gonna be called life, right? So uh, to... Uh, you got me on that one. I actually didn't know the yeah, answer to that. So... <laughs> That's fail. I came on your show and I failed the Pearl Jam trivia. You got me back finally.
0: <laughs> I'll take that. it.
1: After, after all I'll these I'll take months. it.
0: I'll take anything I can get. Still trying to rebuild my ego from the ground up for that. should we
1: try it again at the end of this episode should we try should we try the same question see how many you get right oh i I
0: would fail i would
1: (laughs) i have not learned
0: (laughs) i can't you can't teach this old dog i'm sorry
1: i'm sorry that i'm not sorry but there's a reason why we don't do it anymore and that's not due to (laughs) not embarrassing people that's due to us wanting a shorter a shorter show so you got lucky it's probably never happening again. <laughs> you want trivia Wednesday nights on the Facebook. Oh, see, yeah, see, there you go. Go go back to Vitalogy, though. That's more interesting.
0: Yeah, the um sort of, you know, about life, you know, it's not about money or fame, you know, it's about life. It's about being alive, you know, living with people. It's it's sort of that's the most important thing and not any sort of Living with bugs in your yeah, room. I mean the bugs are alive too, right? I mean they're a form of
1: life. Cockroaches never die. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean that's a, you. One could say that they're the one of the most highly evolved beings because they're created to
1: survive. There, right? Yeah, maybe. I uh, got me on that one. <laughs> uh, you're gonna have to wait. I haven't done my. Deep, deep dig into the evolution of cockroaches yet
0: you're gonna have to wait wait till that episode comes out, out to uh, to, <laughs> to figure to to get the answer to that keep listening everyone but yeah so what um the the first verse I think is is where people might get the suicide sort of uh uh guess from I think I don't know and and it's I think one of the hardest lyrics to to figure out what he's saying just in the way that he's saying it the rhythm that he's saying it in.
1: open and trash look mile watch me crash no time to question why nothing lasts um yeah i think it's sort of saying that they spent the last three to four years putting their lives on the line to do something significant to uh you know to try to put their product out there to try to put their art out there and it's sort of saying you know whenever something positive has happened to you in your life your first the first person that you call is your mom like hey hey mom look look what i did you know it's it's a sign of pride and it's sort that's sort of a tongue-in-cheek way of of saying you know uh we've we're starting to crash and burn now our music is on its way on the decline look ma look at us now Remember, remember a couple years ago when we were on top of the world. Now we're right at the bottom. Look, look, watch us crash. No time to question why nothing lasts because I, you know, strap in, hold on. And, you know, soon it will be over and I will relent. Like that's him trying to prepare himself for the worst with this. He knows that from all the other eras that have happened in music, the British invasion, uh, the 70s psychedelic era, the 80s hairband era. And, you know, you go later than that, and the 2000s had um, boy uh, bands and emo, right? Boy bands, uh, the punk emo phase. Uh, uh, right now, I feel like it's trap. I don't know what it is. I think. Yeah. We just talk about trap
0: rap, but I think even that right now is is on the decline now. Nobody really cares. Right, I,
1: I, right, right now is, is horrible because everything is changing so often. Uh, you know, it, It's basically changing on a yearly basis of what's <laughs> popular and what's in, and, and you sort of can't follow up, so you get stuck in nostalgia bubbles. Uh, but the indie sound, like the traditional indie sound is still – you know, pretty popular in, in certain spots and the festival festival vibe is still pretty popular. But, you know, with that being said, you know, Ed knows that the writing is on the wall. He's seen it with all of his bands uh, that he grew up admiring and how they went, you know, they had their spot in the, in the limelight and they, you know, faded into to oblivion. Uh, you know, the who always had a spot up there, but after quadrophenia they sort of that was kind of an eight year or so window and then they sort of went on the the decline they started doing solo stuff they started going in different directions uh and then after a while they just sort of become classic rock uh zeppelin's another one you know they after physical graffiti it's pretty much done Mm -hmm. um i think coda was after uh physical graffiti but it it was pretty much done john john bonham had had passed away and and the band uh had ceased to exist um pink floyd even after a while wasn't doing commercial stuff they were just you know they were kept doing their own thing but it wasn't as successful as the wall or dark side of the moon was and it all you know, it comes in passing time and, and grunge was certainly a phase that I think it really died after Vitalogy. Vitalogy, you know, people want to argue that Kirk Cobain was the death of grunge when, once he left. Uh, there was no going up from it, but I think that it was really once – no code came out that people realized okay this had an expiration date on it and pearl jam was ahead of the game almost by saying you know you're not going to get the same album that you were getting uh with vitalogy versus n10 with with no code
0: yes time for something completely different and that is that, that, that that's a oh, Monty no, Python oh, reference oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: no I, I, I I'm aware of Monty Python yeah, I just so,
0: the album was you know time for something completely different with no
1: code oh yeah oh yeah and you know what I think going back to the whole uh there's there's an episode I, this is kind of like I know you're a cartoon guy but this is kind <laughs> of like before your time just
0: because we talked about it just like once
1: oh you talk about cartoons me the cartoon episodes. guy uh, i you know i i tune in sometimes and there's some cartoon conversations going on and i know I, I know what's up
0: okay okay but
1: you're you're like a generation ish before me where you weren't really the nickelodeon generation i was the nickelodeon generation mm-hmm. so there was an episode of the show Rocco's modern life have you ever seen that show
0: oh of course i love doraco
1: okay so you know where I'm going to come with this. Uh, Maybe. There's an episode. There's an episode about an episode called Wacky Deli. Do you, everybody remembers that episode, and basically, the creator of that show. It's a show within a show. Uh, You know, for people that don't know what the fuck I'm talking about here, um, it's it's a Wacky Deli is a show within a show by a creator of another show that wants out of his contract, so he's trying to sabotage his own show. So he gets some nobodies to write this show for him, and every episode he's basically trying to sabotage it. He he says, "Well, why don't we just put a big jar of mayonnaise on, on camera?" And, <laughs> and, and, you know, that'll, that'll, that'll show them that'll cancel the show. And the jar of mayonnaise is the biggest hit in the world. And, and people are walking around with, you know, souvenir jars of mayonnaise. Then he brings in a big light, a light fixture into the, uh, into the, the studio, the animation studio. And he's like, oops, I exposed the film. All they ran on that, that episode was just, black screen of exposure and it's like brilliant it's the most brilliant thing in the world it's brilliant (laughs) and you know like it's almost the same way with vitalogy is that they tried so hard they tried they tried so hard to tell people That we're trying here, we're trying to get you to look the other way, trying to get you to piss you off enough for you to get off of our backs, for you to, you know, stop worrying about us and Ticketmaster, stop worrying about how we don't put music videos out, don't want to put radio singles out, get off our backs, and then once No Code came out, so at the end of that Rocco episode, you know, he finally finishes his art masterpiece. And it's this big bowl of fruit on a mountain and somebody looks at it and he's like, well, that's nice. But did you see the new episode of this? And he freaks out. He's like, you don't know what real art is that you don't know what real art is, is no code. Nobody cares about no code, but it's, it's truly a very artistic album, very polished and well done. But, the mess, you know, when they put it out, they're like, OK, this is something that people should care about. People looked at it and they said, uh-huh. I don't get it. To me, <laughs> it's, it's just funny how that works. It's just funny how all of that ultimately ended up. That Vitalogy was the one that they wanted to sabotage or were trying to get, pe- get people uh, to, to detract away from it. And then No Code was the one that said, you know what, we're going to do our own thing with this we're going to make it a little more artsy. We're going to be a little bit more emotional. And people were just like, uh, that that wasn't what we wanted at all. No, the last one was supposed to be what you didn't want. That's how I see all of that.
0: Personally, as you know, as these episodes go on and stuff, and I'll talk about this album, it's probably, I think because of, and it's primarily those, those weird experimental things is this is not my favorite album on a whole just because it's kind of like, okay, did you really need that? Did you really need Bugs? Did you really need that? And it creates a huge artistic sort of expression. And But, I mean, the songs themselves, take, taken by themselves, are awesome, great songs, like some of the best of their career and stuff. But the, the album as a whole is just kind of not as strong as those individual songs. And I think that just having all those individual songs without the little kind of filler stuff in there Makes it almost heavier, you know, too heavy to stand under its own weight. It's just like the the gravitational pull is just gonna just crush it. And and I think that they they needed to do that at least at that point of their career, or else they were just gonna be just way huger than than they ever wanted.
1: Sure, sure, yeah to to sort of get people off of your side. Like they they wanted to weed out the people that needed to be weeded out. That's mm-hmm. what I think they, they wanted to weed out the people that were like, oh, I like, I like daughter and Jeremy and, and, and those songs. They wanted to weed those people out. They also wanted to weed out the people that liked Pearl Jam because of, of them being a trend. So you put in a weird mm-hmm. accordion song like bugs, you put in some, you know, uh, foxy mop handle, you put, you put that in and, and to end an album and people be like, what the fuck? I can't, I can't sit. <laughs> I can't sit through this. I definitely need a pry to weird stuff, and then even you know, uh, like the way that it's ordered, you could never remember the album order because it's just so oddly placed. Uh, Corduroy is so deep. Better Man, I think, is track eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Satan's Bed is hard to remember when that's tracked. Like it, it's such an odd. Like I, I would go through and I would, uh, you know, I would change the track listing on it, you know, to corduroy maybe being like second or third song in, and and maybe whipping being higher up, and and it sort of getting more of a of a flow to it, and I, I think that br- breaking up the flow was sort of purposeful.
0: And, pl- and plus two, you have the sound of a whip. In front of Satan's bed, not the song whipping. That's true. So it's kind of like, oh, hey, he's whipping. Wait, no, he just played. Wait, what the hell? <sighs> uh, mission accomplished, I guess.
1: Yeah, I suppose <laughs> so. Ultimately, though, I mean, there's so many songs on this record that are just Ed being at his ultimately most pissed off at everybody. It doesn't matter. You look at him the wrong way. He's got something to say about it at this point. And it's mostly Mm -hmm. people. It's not fans. It's, it's, it's fake people. It's people that see Pearl jam as an attraction and not art. Um, And, you know, I think last exit is sort of, it's the kickoff to all of that. It's sort of saying, well, if people aren't going to enjoy us for our art, watch us as we, our spirits going to burn. You know, we're going to fade, we're going to die out and you'll be on to the next thing in no time. You know, you'll be listening to, to no doubt. And 3rd Eye blind and matchbox 20 and, and corporate rock, which you look at the late nineties and it was dominated by all of that kind of rock. And, um, you know, it just, it was, I don't know if, if the record companies got around to, to realizing, you know, what kind of. You know, that they didn't just want they, they didn't just want the music, they wanted musicians that would be able to to comprehend with them. Uh I I think I think that's why, you know, you you got bands like that, like a Stephen Jenkins that all he gave a shit about was being a rock star, Rob Thomas that would, you know, Rob Thomas could be one of the greatest rock and roll performers if he wasn't in Matchbox 20. Who knows? But he just they they put him in a band that was just kind of bland and sort of like your aunt's favorite band, you know. Everyone can enjoy it, even the boss. Well, th- 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 no offense to Matchbox Twenty, but it's just like it's uh, it's a little, it- it's on the blander side. Yeah, but who knows? You know, if if Eddie wanted to comply with that and just wanted to be big and wanted to be a rock star and didn't matter uh, what kind of band he was in, he could have done that. But he had. You know, he had his his morals. He had his his line net to cross, and he didn't cross it. He stuck to his guns the whole way.
0: Yeah, they would have put uh, they would have put Better Man out on uh, on verses, and had made that a single. Well, it wasn't even supposed
1: would've... to be a, like Vi- he didn't want it on Vitality. I don't believe.
0: Oh no, yeah, but I'm saying like he they would have because they wanted on verses originally too, yeah, and right. so they would have released it you know earlier, and then had just went all in with. Sort of okay. This is this is who we are now. We're the we're the pop band with right. the uh, super pop song.
1: You can thank Brennan O'Brien for for Better Man finally, yeah, making it to an album. But really, Better Man is the one I wouldn't even consider Corduroy. Uh, Corduroy gets played on the radio sometimes by me, but um, Better Man is the one that you know the very very casual Pearl Jam person can look at and say, "Well, that's that's the highlight," and it's not even a side A track. Which is just kind of crazy. Yeah. So they want a Grammy from uh, a song from this album. So it's gotta count for something. But again, after that, Ed goes on stage and says, "This doesn't mean anything to me." You know, <laughs> he's not winning any brownie points with anybody.
0: That's it, that's it, that's that's for
1: next episode. You're cutting me. You're 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 cutting me off of the legs. <laughs> oh no! I'm sorry. Who's who's doing spin the black circle? I'm sorry. Who? my bad
0: so you're you're you the way you look at this song sort of not about suicide like a lot of other people think it is it's sort of just sort of we're we're leaving we're leaving all the bullshit behind that's you know this is my last exit not going on the uh on the road uh, that everybody expects us to to be on anymore we're kind of just doing this for ourselves, right sort of
1: yeah. Um, and, and, and it's kind of funny cause the song was written, you know, we said performed for the first time, November, 1993, and it was written yeah. before Cobain died. And this really feels like it's more prominent after he died because, you know, that's really, that's where the dominoes fell. That's really the writing was on the wall when that happened. And, you know, again, you start getting more corporate rock bands and, I yes I will say it it's just a gimmick but Green Day is part of that Green Day is part of the corporate rock scene uh, <laughs> there's no bones about it them being anti-establishment being rebels that is a big gimmick that you're being sold a goods a uh, barrel of goods on uh, So but they dyed their hair know, that can't be That's <laughs> I, I know they're so rebellious oh my goodness <laughs> Billy Joe uh, is naked on stage or whatever the fuck he wants to do I don't know um but like it's sort of saying the end of organic rock and roll as you know it is is on the horizon um you know if if you if you're looking for the pearl jam of 10 the pearl jam of verses this is not the album for you we'll tell and you'll talk about that in two weeks when you do that episode but um yeah, he's he's basically saying it right from the get go that uh, this album, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fade from your mind after this album, and, and that's essentially what happened. He's predicting the future. Did a really good job of always being ahead of the game and always kind of reading uh, the industry, reading the room, and uh, and sort of being able to to feel what direction the band should be heading in in the future instead of where they are at the current moment. And I think, say what you want about no new album being out right now, but I think that's where they stand and that's how they see all that.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, at least how I always sort of felt about this song, it was sort of just like, this is uh, another one of Eddie's sort of surf songs, is let the ocean, let the sun, it's all just sort of, hey... I'm just out here taking a three day vacation. Eh, it's gone off into four days. Whatever, might go longer. We're we're kind of doing our own thing now, and it's uh...
1: look my look my watch me crash could be his mom just laying on the beach and him being like, "Hey mom, I'm surfing. Look look at me look at me crash on this wave." Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, that's not that's not a bad it's not a bad draw from that. It's not a bad takeaway. I I like. I like to think that they are these deep soulful artists that you know have been thinking about these songs for a long time. That you know that go about songwriting in, in a Shakespearean manner and uh, are sort of foretelling the future with their songs. But if it's about if it's about surfing and and taking a vacation, then then that's yeah, cool too. And...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 we were talking too about how more arty with the lyrics and kind of you know having partial lyrics or no lyrics and stuff like that too i think that it's sort of with uh with vitology and no code they kind of you know no code they'll have some of the lyrics for some of the songs and you gotta buy the different albums to get all the polaroid things and everything
1: abcd
0: yeah and it's sort of i think like after that point they it was like all the lyrics were most of them were sort of super personal and super sort of like meaningful and sort of like, Oh, I'm, I'm letting, I'm pouring my whole heart out into it and stuff like that. And, and then afterwards, after they started printing all the lyrics, it's sort of like, ah, you know, maybe take a step back and try to write more sort of just stories and more expressions and just leave, leave a whole song just open to interpretation where it's, you know, not really about me, not about anything. It's just sort of telling a story that's, about some guy in a tree or something getting high
1: right and i i think i think and i think no code was really just them letting their guard down and sort of being more vulnerable to to those stories and sort of basically admitting that something like blood was about how you know how crappy he thought that uh the record industry and the media was treating him um Songs like Corduroy, how he didn't want to be seen as a fashion trend. You know, I think after really releasing some of the lyrics in No Co- in No Code, it's sort of uh, a coming uh, a coming of age album because you know songs like a, Pre- a Present Tense and Off He Goes. They're they're vulnerable in the fact that he's and and in my tree that he's sort of expressing that there's a lot of stuff that we've gone through and. Either you can sit back and you can worry about all this, and you can look at it from afar and and be angry about it, or uh, you can move forward and you can you know you can take this in a different direction you can you can you know take this in a different light and you can let this not affect you in the ways that it used to because you're you're more grown up about this now and you're not as worried about how your fame is being exploited um and maybe that's why you know starting with yield You know, they're not necessarily worrying as as much about, you know, who's deciphering what lyrics and, and yeah, let's put out a music video for do the evolution. Let's put out a, a single video theory, uh, documentary to, to show what we do in a recording studio. I think they're, they're open to that stuff more when back then they just wanted, you know, they were in the spotlight so much that they wanted to, to nothing more than to get out of it
0: let's see is there is there anything else that we get from this song that's super deep and anything
1: Uh, no i think i think it's just kind of i i think it's pretty surface level there I, i i think that you know it's just them and their reaction to their fame and and their future and sort of predicting what this, uh, how this album and what direction it's going to take them in. And uh, besides that, you know, live, uh, this song is a great live song. Uh, I've heard it a bunch of times. Um, it's not too rare to hear nowadays, but uh, if you get it, it does feel like a set is more impactful than when you don't, um, especially you, you hear those early songs, and this is usually early part of the set. Uh, Vitalogy tour, you're getting this every night in the two or the three or even the opening spot. And, um, you know, it's one that if you listen to his voice now on it, it's very, it's very standard. It's very, um, it's what it is. But you listen to it in Vitalogy No Code era and he gets really deep. He gets really raspy with it. You know, they'll let my spirit but he's screaming that whole part. It's a really, mm-hmm. you know, it's a really underrated, passionate live song from the mid 90s. Now it's it's still good, but um because I think it would have stay, more staying power if he had the same amount of powers in his voice that he did in the nineties. And unfortunately he just doesn't.
0: Yeah, it, it is probably I think one of their best openers for uh for an album it's it's just super propulsive and it just gets your attention with well after the little uh the jazz drum. thing but yeah just those drum hits just right at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I always kind of I always kind of felt like Stones riff on it was kind of like a train sort of a train moving um I, you know, I, I, I don't know if it sounds like a chugga, 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 but Dan and na, 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 na. it's very mechanical. Um, uh-huh. and you know, then you go into the course and it kind of shifts gears a little bit and you can sort of, that's more, you're kind of on cruise control and then you kind of get back into sort of the, the sludgy mechanical vibe. Um, and I think that's something that stone does really well is he's able to, uh, To smooth things out and smooth things over uh, when he transitions in from chorus to verses that might not necessarily have uh, the same time signature like you were saying before. As far as like album openers go, this is somewhere in the middle for me. They have so many good ones and so many ones that I think can 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 be considered underrated in spots. Uh, I think that Go and Brain of Jay have always been my two favorite, and I want to say that last it probably falls within five or six. Yeah, I, I love Breaker Fall. I really love Breaker Fall. I really, I really love Going to See My Friend. I think that's really, really underrated. Um, and I also think Getaway is 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 absolutely underrated. So it, it's it's somewhere. It depends on my day. And and right now I'm digging on Last Exit more uh, than I have been in a while. So it's probably it's probably more like three or four than five. Uh, but on any given day, it could be in between four to six uh as far as the album openers go
0: yeah prob- probably uh pr- as i get through i'll i'll probably say it's like oh this one is one of my favorite uh, album openers <laughs> for for everything so i'll
1: I'll be there every step of the way and i'll i'll keep you in track yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like uh hey, you know what this is a real great way to to open an album you got the uh sort of sound out it there it's like oh yeah you got that uh 12 string chords it's like oh yeah you got uh all that other stuff i don't know
1: you sure do <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah this is just the 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 odd transition now i'm trying to figure out like okay now how do i end this that's the how to, how to, how, to yeah. how to start and how to end those are my big my big uh
1: i know the ending's the worst is there anything is there anything you don't think that we touched up on
0: um that's that's all of uh of my notes uh well except for the uh the uh the, the this song was probably a big inspiration for the uh the tribute band that calls themselves last exit
1: I, I i have talked to them before and, uh, yeah, they were almost called Pearl Scam. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, Last Exit is a better option than Pearl Scam. Uh, yeah. and actually, Last Exit, uh, by the time this comes out, they probably would have done it, but in, in about a month or, or so time, they're going to be doing a vitalogy tribute. So maybe they, Last Exit opens oh. with last, last Exit.
0: Well, let's hope they, uh, They've uh, been practicing the accordion for when they. Uh...
1: I know I was going to say <laughs> something to them. I don't know if they're they're getting their uh, little and eat on or what, but uh, that's going to be interesting. Seeing if they're going to play those those deep deep ones. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a mixture because they did verses last year in mm-hmm. full.
0: And now we've reached the last exit of this episode.
1: This is this is our last exit. Which means, have you hit that point in your show where you feel like, uh, you know, hey, our height of fame is uh, is has gone and uh, it's come and gone and be prepared that we're not going to be the most popular Pearl Jam podcast out there anymore?
0: Oh, I knew that in the first episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the problem is, is that I come on every first episode and you see, like, you know, the the numbers are okay in that one and then once they realize i'm on i'm like oh that's gonna drop after that i i apologize i should be the last episode every season so (laughs) your ratings are a little bit better but yeah i i it's my fault it's my fault
0: (laughs) it's all right that's that's uh, no i meant the 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 last exit of the of the podcast and now now you can promote all your stuff i've held it hostage and you can let everybody know that after they've listened to this, they can hear you a lot more out there.
1: Yeah, if they wanted to.
0: Um, Even though I'm pretty sure that nobody has only heard this podcast and not heard any of the other Pearl Jam podcasts.
1: I mean, I would assume it's it's I um, I, I think that most people that are involved in the podcast, uh, circuit of Pearl jam have, have at least dabbled in each of them once. And I would say that there is a big four, uh, that are out there, um, that all do very unique work, uh, from each other that all sort of try to, to be unique in, in their own ways. And we try to do our own thing. You, you're, you're doing your thing here. Uh, and the other do to do, do their thing as well. And we, um, You know, again, our show tries to dig into as many eras of history as possible to dig into what the band was doing on their on on the stage that night and uh, what the time period was like and try to kind of get in their heads a little bit and see why, you know, why they were doing certain songs in certain spots, why they would play a certain song a certain way. Um, You know, it's all stuff that I love. Uncovering, digging up, talking about. Uh, you get to almost every episode talk about a fully different set list. So. It's a beautiful thing. Um, if you haven't listened, it's live on Four Legs Podcast. We're on all of the podcast uh, platforms that you will be able to find us on, and we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that good stuff. But again, like 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 you said, if you haven't been listening to, if you have been listening to the other podcast, especially this one, I, I, I'm sure you know our podcast has come up once or twice and I'm sure you, you're, you're aware of our existence. And I have even talked to people the last few weeks or months or so. And I've said, hi, I'm such and such with, with this podcast. I bet you never heard of us before. And they're like, Oh no, we know who you are. I'm like, Oh, all right. I, I, well, <laughs>
0: it's a lot of like the,
1: you know, I did all the work with uh, the guys from Glasgow and doing the set list stuff and a lot of people mm-hmm. recognize us from that now. So, yeah, I I don't know if I'm a respected pillar of the Pearl Jam community, nor do I guess I care. I, I'm just trying to preserve a little bit of history. So if, if people 20 years from now want to go back and see what was a Pearl Jam show like in 1993? Maybe this is the closest thing outside of, you know, watching a YouTube clip, which will I'm I'm sure be universe, universe YouTube or something like that. I don't know. It'll, it'll be floating, you know, on your wall somewhere who, who the hell knows. (laughs) Uh, But it's, it's good to preserve some history and it's good to sort of uh, teach and sort of learn as you go along as well, and it's good to have hosts and guests that uh, that are as into it as uh, as I am. So very thankful for that.
0: Well, I'm thankful for you coming on and no,
1: no, of course you don't have to be. Well, but... I didn't even do a I didn't even do a full Borat impression.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Well, for I'll, I'll forgive you this time but you owe me the nice. <laughs>
1: uh, thank you for
0: coming on. And it's always hey, good probably. to talk to anybody about Pearl jam. Who's uh nerdy and passionate about it. And you have your own podcast about it. So you obviously have, have the passion and of course the copious amounts of free time to, uh, <laughs> to spend on on Pearl jam.
1: Hopefully, hopefully, I make sense doing it. Hopefully, I hopefully, some of this makes sense. Hopefully, some of this is worthwhile. Hopefully, somebody listening today is is saying, "I never thought that about last exit." Let me listen to it again. And maybe, even if they don't agree with us, you know, maybe they're they're thinking in a different mindset. That oh, it's just not about the surface level of you know last exit. Seeing just about beyond the lines and, and, and reading through them. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess I'll see it for sometimes if we're on this trend, right? Yeah. Oh Yeah. If you want to, if you want to come back for sometimes I'd rather do hell, hell, but I'll do, I'll do
0: sometimes you, 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 you've established a, a pattern. You can't break it. Now you've got, you've I got know, a brand. I
1: know. Well, what if, well, what if we just decided to rearrange the album tracks and put hell, hell one. And sometimes two, Just for fun's
0: sake. Thanks for coming back, Randy, and uh, we'll definitely have you back. The Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit CreativeCommons.org or email ListenUpReno at gmail.com for more details. All Music Played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from BetterBandPod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ListenUpReno. I am also on Twitter at Brandon P. at B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Randy and as always, this is Brandon saying... I was born a snake handler and I'll die a snake handler.